I'm Stephanie Preisner, the writer of Can't Cope, Won't Cope. Oh, don't push me, Ashling. Don't push you? Who do you think you are, my mother? Well, that's what it feels like. Whatever is going on with you is not my problem. I never said it was, Danielle. I just asked you to hand me an apple. Don't do that. Do what? I've also written a book called Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same? And other things I shout when I can't cope. Because I like punchy short titles. And uh, if you got a book token for Christmas, that's a great way to spend it. Also, it's available on audiobook if you want me to read it to you. The alarm rings. You are having a dream about your teeth falling out. You gasp for air and hold your mouth when you wake. Brief relief as you realise it's not real and that it hits you. The reality is worse. For a split second you had forgotten what happened yesterday. But today I want to talk about female friendships. Even though Instagram would like you to believe that female friendships are super easy and inspirational, they are not. They take serious time, emotional investment, negotiation and effort. And sometimes it's easier to not be friends than to put in the effort. So like, why do we bother? Our friendship is over. No, it's not. It's not over. It's never over. BFF. I love you. We're going to talk to two 12-year-olds who believe that they are best friends forever. I have other friends to talk to. It just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Because, like, like, we, like, get each other, like, so well. Like, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk to a Facebook friend. Can Facebook friends ever really be actual friends? If you can't make time to spend with someone, then you can't really call that person a friend. Right. Now that I'm older, um, I don't think that's true anymore because... And we're going to speak to Mary Byrne, who has had a best friend for life. Look, friendship is about your honesty with each other, knowing in your heart that that person is always going to be there for you, no matter what changes in their lives or what changes in your lives. And then my friendship with my best friend will be analysed by relationship psychotherapist Trish Murphy. So Stephanie and Rachel's friendship is a very interesting one because of the differences in it and its longevity and how strong and deep it is. I think the long distance part of the friendship is very interesting and it's part of most of our relationships these days. It is more difficult. There is no doubt about it. It is more difficult to maintain a friendship. So like, why do we bother? That's what I'm going to try and work out in this programme. Going to answer that question and the thousands of others that myself and my best friend Rachel ask ourselves as we try to maintain our friendship across the Atlantic. Because my best friend Rachel lives in New York. Do you remember the first time we met Steph? I was operating the lights for your second year production and you were sitting in a chair facing the back of the stage and I was in the lighting box which was above the stage looking down on it and I realised that your head was kind of lolling to the side a bit and I thought oh my actual god she has fallen asleep live on stage how am I going to put up this light she's going to be asleep the whole thing is going to fall to pieces and I was panicking because I wanted you to not get in trouble and I wanted me to not get in trouble and I just felt like the whole world was ending yeah well I remember we had been out celebrating the night before and I had to get up to go to my coffee shop job which started at 6am so I'd only had about an hour of sleep as well as a not insignificant hangover. So by the time I got 
to the theatre and to the stage, I was really sleepy and I don't think I was on for maybe the first, maybe 30 minutes of the show. So yeah, I had just nodded off. And then literally just three words before your cue, you just became slightly more erect. (laughs) And then I went, oh my God, she's awake. Oh, thank God. And like relief flooded through my body as the lights flooded onto the stage and off you went. And I remember I got through the monologue and I think there was a few other monologues uh, in the show and the show ended and everybody clapped and we took our bow and I remember thinking, okay, I've gotten away with it. Nobody noticed. Like that was really close. And then uh, going outside and you kind of snaked your head around the corner and said, were you asleep? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of impression? (laughs) And I was like, don't be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And there was sort of an implicit understanding that you would take the secret to your grave. Um, or Which I have I done. There was. Which you have done until <laughs> the now. The RT Radio <laughs> 1 <laughs> grave. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Um, Thank you for sharing. You are now complicit in the secret. Yeah, and I think there was something in that. I mean, I'm probably reading too much into it now, but like I have always loved, uh, Michael Scott says it in the office, like, I love inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. And I remember when I was in school often (laughs) feeling outside of groups of girls, you know, and like not being part of the in-joke and feeling like I wasn't included. And I am still attracted to that feeling of like we had this thing that we both knew had happened that neither of us were going to tell. And that was enough of a cement to start a friendship. I mean, obviously a friendship can't last for as many years as we've been friends based on that one sort of hiccup. But uh, it was definitely the start of it. And yeah, so we kind of took off from there. And one of my earliest memories of our friendship was that you had a car. And I think a lot of how the friendship kind of deepened from just the surface level stuff was from sitting in your car outside the house at two o'clock in the morning, having chats about God and our lives and all the kind of deeper stuff. Yeah, I still find that taking a drive with you (laughs) is still sometimes the only way to like get to the bottom of a problem I'm having I think and you said it yourself that the reason that that facilitates those kind of deeper conversations are because you don't have to look at each other yeah and also I think the functional part of your brain that is like logical and processes reason and all those kind of things is distracted by having to keep the car on the road and stop at the traffic lights and turn and go into gear and all those kind of things. And so it's sort of the non-rational part of your brain that gets a chance to process the the emotions and stuff. So I remember because you were a year ahead of me, you obviously graduated a year sooner than I did and you moved to Dublin and you had had this kind of dilemma of should I go to London should I go to Dublin do I even want to leave Cork and obviously I wanted you to go on and do well but I was going to miss you and I was very aware that the sort of fabric of my experience in college would change without you there but I think and correct me if I'm wrong you were a bit miffed that I wasn't more upset that you were leaving (laughs) I just you were very much like go follow your dreams and you know this is the right thing for you to do and I was like no you should be like being really clingy and wishing (laughs) that I turn down opportunities because you want me to be here I guess I was afraid that like I would leave and you would find this life without me and like so I was a bit miffed when you were like I'm so excited that you're going to Dublin (laughs) 
Because obviously I'm crazy. I thought I was being supportive. You were, but um, supportive looks different to different <laughs> people. <laughs> you went to Australia for your work experience and I always struggled. I still struggle with how free you like to be. <laughs> like how <laughs> how you crave spontaneity and change in your life. Or I'm, I would like to be able to lock you into a contract of like, can we commit to doing this specific thing every single day for the rest of our lives? I remember that summer when I was in Australia sending you emails. I'm trying to update you on my life and you're sort of going like, I just don't even know really how to respond to this when you're so far away. You know, are you even real anymore? As you know, I still struggle with that. I just kind of feel like, oh God, like what is the point of telling someone who is 5,000 miles away what you did for the morning? But I do it for you because not doing it has bigger implications. Mm -hmm. You know... In Frozen, when Mm -hmm. she storms off and leaves, what's the name? Arendelle. Arendelle leaves Arendelle in an eternal winter because she's left in such an anger. That was kind of, no, I can't, I can't even, I can't even make that link, sorry. (laughs) Well, when I moved to the States, I think there was a little bit of a like, maybe I was pulling an Elsa and just being like, Off I go with no plan and very little money and basically nothing. I'm just going to move countries now. And I didn't even really say that I was moving. I kind of was like, yeah, I'm going to go. You told me you were going for a wedding. Well, I was going for a wedding. Yeah, but you haven't come back. (laughs) (laughs) It's the longest (laughs) wedding that's been five, six years. Like, Um, yeah, I, I found that really, really tough. And I think it's the closest we've come to the friendship ending because I just took it as such a personal affront. I, guess I mean, you, you had been abandoned in some way. Yeah, but I also felt like I wasn't enough to keep you in the country. Well, you weren't because I also needed a job and things like that. that yeah. You couldn't really get in Ireland in 2012. Um, but I was definitely quite cowardly in the way that I went about it because I didn't, you know, I still don't really like confrontation and so... <laughs> I still do this. Sometimes I just, uh, you know, I prefer to sort of slip out. But I didn't even know that this was a thing until you pointed it out recently in New York. We were having brunch, I think. And I just got up to go to the toilet, but didn't say, excuse me, I'll be right back. I'm just going to the bathroom. I just, you know, get up in the middle of a sentence and walk away. Yeah, you (laughs) got up in the middle of our friendship sentence and walked to New York. And I was like, right, that's it. And it took... It took a lot of effort to get us back from that. But I'm kind of proud that I was, you know, I'm always happy to be coaxed back. You often have to be the bigger person and know how to manage me. And I know I'm being managed and manipulated, but that's just what I need. You're happy to do that. Yeah, because it's like, okay, I just need you to control my emotions because I don't know how to do this. And I know that I'm trying to push you away, but I don't know how to stop. So you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to manage this. And it usually works. Yeah, because I want it to work. I just don't know how to do it myself. Let's talk about Friends, the TV show. Okay. Like, I can't believe that I am the same age that, like, they were when that was happening. They still seem to have so much more of their lives together than than I have. And their lives still seem to be something that I'm growing towards rather than should be at now. I think there's kind of a common thread in it of them always at each turn being like, I'm in this situation and I don't know how I got here and I don't know what to do. So come on, everybody, help me through it. Like we're going to game plan this stuff. Um, And 
there is that sort of disbelief that anything will ever really fundamentally change. There's that thing where Rachel has been threatening to move out and, you know, she's notoriously unreliable. And I don't think Monica ever really believed that she would go. No, that's not what happens. Monica is moving in with Chandler and Rachel's like, yeah, 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 I'll move out. And then she never does because she doesn't really believe that Monica is actually going to move in with Chandler. And Monica is upset that Rachel isn't upset. And Rachel doesn't actually think it's going to happen. And then there's this moment of realisation where Rachel realises, oh my God, you are actually going to move in with your boyfriend and I'm actually going to have to move out. And she gets really upset. And then Monica also gets upset, but is also very happy that she's upset, which is gas. <laughs> um, and and it plays on from there. And it's a really heartwarming moment because it's like, oh my God, everything's going to change. And she, you don't know, she doesn't know where she's going to live right then. And... It all looks like it might fall down around them, but of course it doesn't. I feel like that was sort of a template of how to deal with that. Yeah, that's the thing. I think the desire for a closer connection is always a thing in friendship, but especially with us, because we have come close and skirted the line before of, okay, maybe, you know, Maybe this is it. And for you, it's always a final, like, this is it. I'm going to have to delete your number and, you know, burn your photographs. And for me, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe, you know, we just take a little bit of a step back and we cool cool things off for a couple of months and then we'll we'll get back into the friendship and get back into the swing of things. But whatever shape it takes, that desire that I know you have and I have to a, a certain degree as well of being like family and being sisters, you know, twins would be even better, is that need to have the closest possible connection to know that no matter what, there's something binding you together that you can't get out of even if you want to and you're stuck forever. That's exactly what I want. That's why I want a twin, which is like, you know, we talk about being twins all the time. And the reason that I want you to be my twin is that like, even on days when you don't want to talk to me or I don't want to talk to you and even if we have a fight, you'd still be my twin and you wouldn't be able to get out of it because that's just a genetic thing. And I think mm-hmm. that's why I'm obsessed with twins and why I love Frozen and why I've based several narratives around it and why we talk <laughs> about it all the time. Yeah. I think the first time I watched Frozen was with you. The first time I watched Frozen, I went into my room afterwards and I played back Do You Want to Build a Snowman over and over again because I wanted to cry. <laughs> and I kept crying. until <laughs> Like I kept it on replay and I kept crying. <laughs> Because it's when she's knocking and she's like, like, please really play with me and I'm sorry. And like, why don't you like me and why am I not enough? And it doesn't have to be a snowman. We can do anything you want. And the other one is like, nah. But the other one isn't like, nah. She's saying, I could kill you with my magic powers and I need to go and learn how to be at one with my abilities and figure that out to keep you safe. No, she's not. She's saying, I am afraid of getting close to you in case I hurt you. So instead of getting close to you and risking that, I'm just going to run away and build a tower out of ice. Yeah, but she's very happy in her tower. She's not. I know the cold never bothered her anyway, but she's not happy. (laughs) (laughs) She's alone. Well, uh, there's a difference between solitude and loneliness, I suppose. Rachel. Mm Mm-hmm. 
you know, the way we sort of dissect our friendship all the time and our own personalities. And I wonder like what would happen if we had been friends since we were kids? Because I just met Sadie and Sophie, these two 12 year olds, and they're so cute. And I asked them how they both met and they have different stories of how they both met. One of them remembers that they were at a farm and one of them said, I love pigs. And the other one was like, yeah, same. So like their friendship was just based on the fact that they both like pigs. And the other one remembers it, that they were in the park and they were both on the swings and they just got friends from like being on the swings. That's adorable. They were so... I wonder if we had met when we were 12, what would be the thing that we both would have loved? Chicken wings? (laughs) Chocolate? I'm Sophie, I'm 12 and my favourite thing about Sadie is... She always laughs. <laughs> um, I'm Sadie, I'm 12, and my favourite thing about Sophie is that she's really funny. And have you guys been in the same class the whole way through school? Yeah. yeah. We still are now. Yeah. In secondary school, we're in the same form. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah I know. Really and is good. that, like, did your parents ring up to school? or No. no. They just... I asked, they said yeah. no. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So it's just pure coincidence, like, yeah. Yeah. the universe wants you to be together. No and way. do you guys get to sit next to each other in school? Well, sometimes we talk. Do they quite a separate bit. you? Uh, yeah. Like in primary school, they'd never put us together. But yeah. then, like, once, I think in like third or fourth class, they like put us together for like a week and we were so happy. And then in sixth class, they put us beside each other and we like couldn't last one day. And do either of you have friends that aren't friends with you both? No. I don't. Not, well, re- not well, really. There's some people that are closer to like yeah. another person than. The other, but we don't just have like someone that doesn't like just me and doesn't like Sadie. Like we're yeah. they pretty much like but <laughs> come in packets. Do you yeah. think you could be friends with someone who didn't like Sadie? Mm, no, I don't <laughs> think so because like she's very sociable. <laughs> and do you think you could be friends with someone who doesn't like? Probably something? not because we're always together, yeah. so they'd have to deal with two of yeah. us. So. Yeah. And do you ever think about what's going to happen after secondary school? What do you guys want to be when you grow up? Well, when we were in like fifth class, we said we we're gonna go move to America and we each get our own pugs and be be fashion designers. Okay. Yeah. Um, but now that's not really realistic. So I don't know, like, what we're gonna do. But I'm sure we'll probably stay still friends. Yeah. If we did get our first apartment when we were younger, I say we'd probably get it together. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were planning for a while. Yeah. yeah. And so would you just make a decision based on... No, I like for college, you know, because we'd say we like different kind of things in that. Yeah. Like say I want to do business secretary and say if you want to do like, she said like woodwork or metalwork. I hate business. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I don't know, we'd probably choose different careers, but yeah. yeah. But maybe go to the same college and... Yeah, yeah maybe. Share yeah. And... Have you ever had a fight? We uh, have a lot of physical ones. <laughs> physical Sadie, punching fights. Like. Sadie always wins. <laughs> but I'm working on it. But now, like, and now it's kind of like about money. Like, if you borrow money off them and then you don't give back, that's a big thing. Yeah, or like I stealing Sadie, pens. I had Sadie a tenner. Yeah, she wouldn't give um, back for six months. So. I gave it back to her last week. So yeah, well it's good. done. That's good <laughs> for your credit rating. And what about boys? Or is that like not? We're not there yet. Not really. We just have like friends. Like, yeah, they're like we have a lot of friends that are boys. So yeah. Yeah. No competition there yet. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you talk every day. Yeah. 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 A lot. So she always like say we're do- I'm like in the middle of doing my homework. She like face on me and quickly ask what we have to do and all that. Yeah. And like we do like say like face mask and we like face on each other and stuff yeah. like that. And we like we always try to have sleepovers, but now it's quite hard because our parents. We, yeah. <laughs> no, like they always say no sleepovers during term, but. 
we find a way like we always do. Yeah. So. Are her parents like your parents? And like I have friends when I was in school and their mums would be like giving out to me like they'd be giving out to their own children, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I was just in Sophie, the house. my parents called me Sophie all the time when she's not even there. <laughs> yeah. And like... Last like your she, own parents. Yeah. And yeah. last night even she was like, Say, Sophie, your dinner's ready. And I was like... Oh. Sophie's not here. Yeah, like my mum wouldn't be afraid to come out to say anything like that. Yeah, like we're, we've been like, yeah. Do you guys believe that you will be best friends forever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, same. Like if I didn't have Sadie, I probably wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> same, same. Because like yeah. when she's out, I just, I have other friends to talk to. It just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Because like, like we like get each other like so well. Like, yeah. You know. In what kind of way? I understand her like a lot. Like it wouldn't feel the same talk to someone else because like yeah. you just don't really know them. And like well. I know when she's sad. I yes, know it. I know when she lies. So. Yeah. It's kind of like it doesn't take as much effort. Yeah. yeah. Is that what it's like? Yeah. yeah. It's the same with me and Rachel. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so adorable. Aren't they so adorable? I wonder if we would have been friends now if we had started our friendship when we were that age or if kind of the exigencies of our lives would have infiltrated that friendship. I, I definitely felt a little bit jealous of them, though. I want those memories yeah, me with too. you. I'm jealous of their surety and they're just, yeah, this is how it's going to be. You know, they're so confident in it. It just reminds me that at that age, it's so important that you have loads of things in common. Mm-hmm. And you have to build up this really robust kind of collection of things that are the same and shared experiences and likes and dislikes before you're allowed to start differentiating. And then, you know, as she said, one person is allowed to like business and the other person is allowed to not like business because you have far more things that are in common. But it also really struck me the amount of time that they spend together and just the amount of free time that you have when you're 12 obviously is much greater than what you have at 30. But being able to spend all your time with somebody, like that's how you know that that person is your closest friend. You know, that's what they said. Like it's really obvious at 12. Whereas with us, most of our friendship, we've lived in different cities and now different countries. You're not on Facebook. So there's very little public evidence of our friendship, say, which is so different from these two girls that Everybody sees them together all the time and they're sort of a package deal. So it's obvious to everyone, Sadie and Sophie are best friends. It's inarguable. I want to know from people who are older than us, who have remained friends, how we can get from Sadie and Sophie to Rachel and Stephanie <laughs> to Mary and her friend. Yeah, so we're going to hear now from uh, the lovely Mary Byrne and hopefully she'll give us a few pointers and a few tips of... Um, how to navigate the future, which is very big and scary, but also life changes. You know, your career is very robust and takes up a lot of your time. Um, I mostly walk dogs, so I have a lot of free time. That's so funny that like, you think I have more. I was thinking like, I'm going to have to ask Mary, what happens when Rachel has a child? What happens when Rachel gets married? What happens when <laughs> Rachel has all of these things to distract her from me? And you're like, well, you're going to be really busy with work. I'm actually very reassured that you're also worried and have questions for Mary. Can we talk to <laughs> Mary, please? Let's talk to Mary. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm listening to you. Listen, you are living so far apart, but still, I know there's a bond there that will never break, but it's up to you to keep that bond stuck together. Okay. I mean, I have, I have a friend since I was about eight years of age. Um, and we wow. used to, I met her out in Port Marnock when I was eight. We went on a school trip and I would no swimsuit 
and she was the only one that had the swimsuit and there were like flies around her trying to borrow her swimsuit off her. <laughs> and I was the only one she lent it to and that was my first time I met her. Which of you is the better one at trying to maintain contact? I would say it would be me. Okay. With mm. her. I do have other friends. And do you ever mm. have to like say to them I feel like you need to show up to this friendship more? <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes you do and I mean they've said it to me a few times you know well, you haven't rang me you haven't done this but they do know that life is busy for all of us we're all doing our own things and yeah. sometimes you know we have our arguments we're not constantly angels with each other Yeah. look friendship is about your honesty with each other knowing in your heart that that person is always going to be there for you no matter what changes in their lives or what changes in your lives We, I tell me friends things that I shouldn't tell anybody but they're the only ones I would tell and I know that if one of them was to write a book oh god I would be so shamed in lots of ways (laughs) but I know they wouldn't and I know the loyalty that's there with them and I would be so loyal to them because I know they love me and I love them with all my heart but it is honesty it's being honest with each other and it's trusting each other but it's also knowing that your friend needs time away when she's feeling bad but she knows that you're only on the other end of the phone. And that's the yeah. main thing. That might and be how the part I have to get better at. Go on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a work in progress. Mary, how do other significant relationships impact your friendships then? So, you know, I'm living with my boyfriend now and even when we moved in together, I think there was a period of slight panic maybe on Stephanie's end of, oh God, is she still going to be able to ring me in the mornings? You know, usually I'd ring her when I'm making my breakfast or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, there might be kids down the line. Like, who knows what other things will come. Have you noticed that with your friendships, there's a decision to still stay a part of the friendship and, and give the friendship priority, even when other significant relationships in their life might take their, their time and attention away? I think, you know, life itself will always change for each and every one of us. Um the girl I was talking about, the girl that I met at eight years of age, when she got married, we kind of went a little bit different ways. She had to get on with the love. She was in love with this guy. She was pregnant. She had a great time. But I left her to that because Mm. it was her time. But I knew she was still there for me. I knew that if I had walked down, and I did many a time walk down, knocked at her door, that she would tell him, you know, she wanted to talk to me and we would go in and sit down and have a cup of tea and talk. So it's not about Austin going out with the two of us. No. (laughs) Well, whatever floats your boat, I think you should try it. It's good. (laughs) That's the book I don't want him to write about me. Oh, God. That's brilliant. Mary Byrne, thank you so much for talking to us. It's Um, been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Can you leave us with one piece of advice on how to keep our friendship going for years and years like you have done with your friend? Always remember to make each other laugh, to make each other cry, to be happy together. And even when she doesn't want you to ring her, wait until she's finished covering her head with the blankets and she'll ring you then. Oh, thank you so much. No problem. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mary. Go on, I love you both and and I hope you last as long as I've lasted with my friend. I mean, I'm 58 now and she's still with me. Three of them still with me. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Not at all. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. I'm having that feeling again where I really want you to commit to being my friend forever. <laughs> and, and I and you and you, I always ask you to do this and you always say you will. But I just wish there was a way. 
You know, what's interesting is that I think with a lot of the relationships in our lives, there's paperwork involved. So, you know, a parent is responsible for their child by law. The same thing goes with marriage, with employment. You know, a lot of relationships are legalised in some way or formalised. But with friendship, it's completely voluntary. It's voluntary, but it's also so... There's no weight. Like, that word friend is just so fickle and there's a probably 700 people out in the world who if you said do you know Stephanie Preisner they'd say yeah I'm friends there and it's like no sorry you are not I have six friends and you are not one of them and like <laughs> I just think that like you're more than a friend to me you know but there is no there's no vocabulary for me to put around that because it doesn't exist and I really struggle with that because I want to build yeah public monuments to our friendship. I want like (laughs) something to be like, we are best friends, better than any other friendship. And please, can you all accept and acknowledge that with this big arctotrium? Yeah, if if people are married, you don't say, yeah, but like, how married are you really? Yeah, like, oh, I'm also married to him. No, you're not. (laughs) Because we're not that, you know? But how many friends do you have on Facebook? And are they all friends? Are they all friends? No, definitely not. I am one of those people that does a a purge, you know, every couple of years. But if they are somebody that I might want to talk to at some point in the future or someone who I still just have generally good feelings towards or I like what they put on Facebook, then I'll keep them. And one such guy, um, his name is Mike. He's a bartender. And I met him probably about three, four years ago at 2am in Bushwick at a taco stand. So he added me as a friend on Facebook. I haven't been going out really for the last year or so. But there was a time where if I knew that he was working, I would go and kind of pop my head in and say hello, just because he was a nice guy, a friendly figure. Then in the year maybe that I didn't see him, I saw the trip he took with his dad. I saw um, a couple of other things that he was doing. And I was like, wow, I really don't know this guy at all. Uh, And yet I know all of this information about his life. But I went and tracked him down and went and sat down and had a chat with him. And he has some interesting things to say. He takes everything way more casually and lightly than me or you. And even with Facebook, you can create different audiences, you know, mm-hmm. or you can like, you know, post to the public or you can post to your friends or friends except acquaintances, or you can post to friends except for this one person. Right. Or you can make a list of people that you don't want to see a certain post. Has Facebook ever been a real way that you have really gotten to know someone? Or do you think it's just a way of like keeping track of your kind of broader circle of acquaintances. Facebook and social media in general is definitely good for keeping in touch with people because mm-hmm. like if you have a passing thought, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is, you can just go look at their Facebook. Uh, see what know, they've been up to. See what they've been up to. When I was in college, I wrote a paper on the nature of friendship. Mm. And the thesis, like one of the conclusions that I came to in the paper was that if you can't make time to spend with someone, then you can't really call that person a friend. Right. Now that I'm older, um, I don't think that's true anymore because there are people that you know that even if you see them once a year, that every time you see them, if, if it's somebody whose company you enjoy and they enjoy your company, it's like no time has passed. Every time you see them, it's yeah. just like... 
you pick no, up right where you left you just, off. You feel as if you just, you know, you just saw them a few days ago. I don't know if you've had this experience with like coworkers, yeah. where you're spending a lot of time with this person, and yeah. then and you have maybe a lot of jokes or you have a rapport built up. We don't actually know that much about them. Sure. that context yeah no that's true and and like it, it, you know there's you know you have your work friends and you have your you know quote unquote real friends I mean I and sometimes they're they're one and the same but it's a I think it's like a, a, on a person by person basis like you know Jeff I would say is a friend of mine but like we don't really hang out outside of work or we have it. maybe we will someday yeah um, but also you don't need to as long as you're right, still because working I know together. I'm gonna see him every Thursday and Sunday yeah you know um, and hear about his exploits and, and whatever else has been going on with them but then there's the, the person that is my best friend like we don't see each other all the time yeah we're in touch and you know and social media is a big part of that but you, you know how you feel about a person whether or not you're able to spend as much time with them as you would like how does someone choose a best friend i don't know but you know years ago he decided that he, you know, he was like you're my best friend and i was like cool you're my best friend too that's awesome <laughs> And so, like, I we've think been it best is. That's friends the key. It has to be years. mutual. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, it's... So that's your friend from Facebook. <laughs> My friend from Facebook. I am one of 3,000 of his friends from Facebook. How special do you feel right now? But, you know, having said that, I this dude that I haven't seen in a year that I don't know that well... When I messaged him and said, hey, I'm doing a show for Irish Radio with my buddy about buddies. Can I talk to you a bit? I was like, yeah, cool. Come on down. Frankly, quite weird. Also, did you refer to me as a buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I am not a four-year-old you have to hold hands with in the city centre when we go on school trips. Like, I am the most significant relationship you have. Um, no, I thought it was... But that thing, you yeah. know, yeah, what he says about choosing. I thought that was fascinating. I also thought that it made me think about us and how, in a way, the distance between us is something that is almost like the third wheel in our relationship that keeps us together, you know, because we have to make that effort and it would be so easy to slip. Like, it would be just much easier for us not to be friends, do you know? And so yeah. we can tell because the other one makes the effort that they're really showing up. Big time. And I think that there's a an element to a lot of friendships where... They suit you for a certain time in your life, whether that's school or your first job or university or whatever. And you're close because of the shared experience. You know, it's living your life adjacent to somebody that makes you feel close to them. And then when that time ends, a lot of the time you stay in touch, but it, 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 it'll kind of peter off. Whereas for us, although the initial thing that brought us together was a shared experience, we haven't had a shared experience apart from you know, holidays that we've taken together and trips to visit one another. I think the Facebook gives you the excuse to not show up in friendships. I remember when I deleted my mm. Facebook, I deleted my Facebook page. And that year, I think I got seven birthday text messages. Whereas yeah. the year before I had gotten like 400 notifications, you know, and it's like now I am only friends with people who know in their brain that it is my birthday. I've heard all sorts of crazy things about Facebook, you know, especially with the birthdays, people saying, well, you didn't say anything about your birthday on Facebook. So I assumed that you didn't 
have want one. anybody <laughs> to wish you happy birthday. You know, crazy things like that. But with that guy, Mike, the way that he uses Facebook is really to broadcast what he's doing. But I asked him as well, you know, how much do you engage with the stuff that other people put up? And, you know, he was really honest. He just said that with all 3000 of them, there's just too many. He, he can't really filter. So he doesn't necessarily engage with the things that other people put up. I had to unfriend my mother on Facebook because she was just annoying me so much. And uh, she took it really personally. And I was like, yeah, but you're still my mother. You know, it, it Facebook isn't real. It's it's an internet website. You know, nothing can change the fact that... that I came out of your usual. I came out of you. You, you made me. Um, okay, I want to talk about that Snapchat that you sent me when you <laughs> when you did find the piece of art and how you used it as a almost a bribe to get me back into what seemed like the friendship that I was running away from. Yeah, so I think you were particularly drained um, that day and I know that you get kind of stressed out thinking, oh, well, I don't really have the energy to talk, but if we don't talk, then we'll drift apart and then we'll never be friends again and everything will be awful and the world will end. Yeah. Is that kind of roughly right? Kind yeah. of, yeah. So <laughs> we were having one of those days and I, I was kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what to do with this. And there's only so much I can try and coax you out of yourself if you really don't want to be coaxed. So, you know, because I generally like space, I was like, maybe I should just leave her off for today and, you know, we'll try and chat again tomorrow. Never leave me off. And, uh, <laughs> but then I, uh, I did see this beautiful picture frame. Now, it's really a very nice picture frame. It's the painting on it is... Um, is is kind Haunted. of weird. It's just like a <laughs> lot of grey and beige, like thick, thick layers of paint with this sort of figure in the middle that maybe it's a curled over child. I don't really know. But there was a note on it that said, free picture frame, artist unknown. So I thought, great, you know, this is a really nice frame. I'll take it. And, and I sent you a picture of that because I knew that it would just freak you out so much that it would jolt you out of your... Uh, exhaustion to kind of give out to me <laughs> and it did and I thought that it was a really clever ruse and you'd be like haha obviously I didn't take that gross haunted picture off the street but at least I got you back on track with our friendship but then I was horrified to realise that you actually <laughs> did take the picture but uh, you know the, uh, actually that was how I got you back in I drew you back in when I had just moved to New York and I was working at the Margarita Bar and you were odd with me for living my life <laughs> and I was like okay Damn she doesn't me. want to text or email I'll send her a letter and I nicked one of the hoodies from there oh yeah and, and you'll always mailed it back. to you yeah you'll always be back with stolen goods stolen goods or a hoodie <laughs> and I mailed it to you and you're like well this is actually quite a nice hoodie so fine you can be my friend again and I wasn't being that petty but it was like oh look this is a gesture that shows that she has like broken the law for me and also paid postage so that's enough of an investment for me to like respond <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's I mean the, the bar effort. is reasonably low like it's not particularly difficult no it's not I don't want it to be difficult I just want to do you think though that that's a, a big part of it is the the sort of need to constantly test how much do you really love me like how far are you willing to go for this friendship I think we both play that are game. You really? Don't we? But what do you think that function of friendship 
um, what do you think about that function where a lot of the time we use one another as sounding boards and permission givers? If there's something that we want to do, but we don't feel really confident enough to make the decision ourselves, to just be able to go to your friend and say, am I allowed to do this? It's like accountability and support, but it's also like by agreeing with me that we're going to do this, I am now implicating you and you are going to be there and support me through the fallout of this thing that I'm going to do. <laughs> this yeah, is an unwritten contract. Yes. Whatever happens. I'm sending this message. Are you ready to counsel me through the fallout? And another part uh, of, I think, the thing that makes up a lot of our conversations is instances like that where maybe you have to deal with something on your own or I have to you know, deal with the fallout of a decision that I made. And then we come back together and try and pick apart, OK, now, why did you do that? We do a lot of self-analysis of our interactions with one another and our interactions with other people. We're amazing. We're basically therapists. Like We could be charging each other a <laughs> fortune for this. Instead, we could hear from an actual therapist. Both of us spoke to Trish Murphy. She's a relationship psychotherapist. Um, we talked to her individually. And we're going to hear now what she thinks about us and about our friendship. Are you nervous? I am nervous. I feel like we've gone to a relationship <laughs> counsellor separately and now we're like on the drive home and it's like, she told me I need to leave you. <laughs> so I'm like terrified of what she's going to say. So Stephanie and Rachel's friendship is a very interesting one because of the differences in it and its longevity and how strong and deep it is. I think the long distance part of the friendship is very interesting and it's part of most of our relationships these days. It is more difficult. It, there is no doubt about it. It is more difficult to maintain a friendship. And even though it brings up issues of abandonment, it brings issues up of, of knowledge and knowing and time difference. We don't measure relationships in the amount of actual time we spend together. We measure it in the quality of time that we do spend. And there's a truth in that. I think if anybody's struggling in their friendship, they'll usually say we need to spend more time. I'm not sure. I think it's more about the quality of the time you have. I mean, a level of contact is vital. You can't have friendship if nobody's talking or nobody's connecting. I think the means of that contact, you know, it has to be negotiated. So you can do it on the phone, you can do it on Skype. I mean, it's better if it's in person, clearly. So you'd want, it would want to be peppered with a lot of personal contact. But then you can supplement it. I think some people are more comfortable with that. So maybe one person is more comfortable than the other and that has to be negotiated. And one person wants, you know, five minute quick chat. The other one really wants an hour long conversation. And the act of negotiating these things is what makes it work. And I think the reasons that it works are the reasons why many friendships work. One of them, one of the big reasons is the dependency in the relationship. They depend on each other. That if either one of them wanted to take the other one down, they would, could because they know so much about that other person. But the dependency actually makes it work. Now, this freaks out most friends because we don't like to appear needy, but actually needing the other person makes it far better. I think another thing that they both do is they tolerate differences. They tolerate the kind of things that you'd have to love somebody to tolerate. And they do. So, you know, Rachel will tolerate Stephanie's need for space. Um, Stephanie will tolerate Rachel's kind of slight chaos at times. And the fact that they do this is an expression of how much they care for each other. And actually doing that and tolerating it and all the millions of conversations they have about it makes the relationship better. 
The other thing they do, and I think this is an essential for all friendships, even if it's five minutes, they will take, make the effort for five minutes contact. And, you know, a lot of us would say, oh, five minutes, that isn't enough. You know, you need to be going out for a whole night. But actually, it really works. The fact that they bother and they don't just say, oh, I only have five minutes. They actually take that time. So effort is a really essential ingredient. And both of them you know, voice the value of this relationship. They're willing to say it. And I think a lot of us kind of assume the other person will pick it up somehow by, you know, how nice we are to them. But they'll voice it. They'll take the risk and they'll say, you know, this is really important to me. But they'll also challenge each other. Now, any friendship won't survive without challenge. And these two really go for it. They take these challenges and that copper fastens it that makes it deeper and it makes it really really last so I think there'll be a lot of people listening who'll be envious of this relationship who say I want that if you do want it the pathway is there you just listen to how they say and you'll know how it is it isn't easy you have to take risks you have to put loads of effort in you have to take the challenges when they come and you have to stand up for this for life in, in the face of other relationships which I think both of these do the reason we're envious is because what a fabulous thing to have what a wonderful thing to have in your life somebody who's doing the pathway who knows everything who's there for you every step of the way there is something about the knowledge that they have of each other that is so refined and beautiful really to the extent that they know that they can't do their preferred way of communication which is to be upfront, but actually to step back and do something that will hook the other person in and they're back in the relationship before they realised that there was a gap almost. Now that's beautifully refined. That comes from years of knowing and it's almost like it's automatic now. You don't have to plan it. And I think both of them would absolutely agree they will be friends for life. And the reason that is, is because they have gone through the hard parts. They have a formula for tackling the hard bits. Without that formula, it would be very difficult. You couldn't guarantee it. But because they've done it so many times. Yeah, I've no doubt it'll last. Pal, we got the all clear. <laughs> We're going to be friends for life. A plus. <laughs> A plus. Do we get a gold star? I hope so. I hope we get ah. engagement rings. I was like, yes, now it's been clinically verified by a practicing therapist. <laughs> that means it's official. We're good for each other. We're good for each other. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And you can never leave because the <laughs> therapist said we have to stay together. <laughs> there you go. What did you think about you what can she play said? This back now. I think she was dead on. Yeah, I think she was dead on as well. And it made me feel like we do something intuitive that can be codified and broken down, but actually we just do it because that's what we want to do, right? Yeah, but I think that the bottom line uh, for all of it and for our friendship, but for every relationship to some degree, is the willingness to keep coming back even when you're frustrated or you don't have time or you're tired to put the effort in and to prioritise it. But there's a reason that there's only one of you. Yeah, you life. can't have this kind of a friendship with more than one person because it does take the effort. I'm reminded of the, the time, time that I said, like, sometimes how we try and make it work when I'm like, I'm really, really tired. But if you can just talk at me, I'll listen to you until I fall asleep. And then will you hang up? Now, that doesn't happen very often. But like... <laughs> It, sometimes that's the only connection we can make in that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're adorable. Sure, uh, we're we adorable. Are adorable. Thank you very much, Rachel, for calling in to me from New York. 
Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing our friendship with others. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye, pal. Love you, pal. Bye. Love you, bye. Situationships was hosted by Stephanie Preisner and Rachel Yoder. Sound supervision was by Jamie Doyle. The programme was produced by John Daly and Owen Sweeney for Ojo Productions.